Good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barthet. I am a board-certified construction lawyer in Miami. I have the pleasure of working with Sunray Construction Solutions, who provides notice to owner and liens for their construction clients. So we're going to go ahead and get started and talk very briefly. We're going to get you off by 9.30 for sure uh, on the topic of, I don't have a signed contract. How do I lien and get paid? In the meantime, let me go through what the agenda will be. We're going to talk about what a contract is under the lien law. What are the benefits of a written uh, contract that's signed? Are there any mandatory disclosures that are required such that you need to have a written contract? What is the general process for securing your lien rights? So let's get started. What is a contract under the lien law? Before we can talk about what the lien law defines as a contract, everyone needs to understand generally what a contract is. And in short, it's a meeting of the minds. It's where one party and another party agree in principle to certain key terms about what they're going to do. The lien law requires that at the upper level of the construction process, that is with the owner, because everything flows down from the owner, that the owner have a contract with the contractor, understanding that from the lien law's perspective, a contract, uh, a contractor is anyone that has a direct contract with the owner. So as an example, if you are a plumber and you have a direct contract with an owner, under the lien law, you are considered a contractor, even though your trade would be more aptly classified as a subcontractor. So the lien law requires that at the level of the owner that there exists some contract, some agreement with a contractor. Uh, as long as that exists, then the contract that the contractor has with others, so whether it's a subcontractor or a supplier, then everyone in the chain of the lien statute is protected. An example of, of a situation where there would not be lien rights would be if you are a painter, uh, you receive an order, and in the process of processing that order to paint somebody's house, you inadvertently transpose the digits on the address. So you go out and you paint the wrong person's house. If you do that, you do not have lien rights because the person's house that you painted never had an agreement with you to do the work. So as long as there's an agreement that exists between the owner and the contractor, then every other contract underneath that, assuming of course that the scope of work was within the original scope of contract that the owner was expecting, all of those parties have lien rights. The next question we get is, does it have to be in writing? And the short answer is no, it does not have to be in writing. Does it have to be signed? Well, clearly if it doesn't have to be in writing, it does not need to be signed. So the lien law makes no specific, uh, has no specific mandate that the contract be in writing or signed in order for there to be a valid and enforceable contract. There are, however, some exceptions to this, and we're going to talk about them now. The first is understanding why you want a contract to be in writing. 
clearly, if the contract is in writing, the parties will have less to argue about because you can point to a specific provision in the contract, whether it's the price or the scope or the amount of insurance that was needed, whatever terms you have in your contract, to the extent those are in the written document, it avoids a great deal of the ambiguity and disputes. Um, when we get hired by our clients to resolve disputes, many times what we are attempting to resolve are things that are not in the contract. If they were in the contract, there'd be a lot less to argue about. So having a written contract is highly recommended. So what are the things that you should put in your contract? The first thing that you need, uh, you should put in your written agreement is the scope. What work are you going to perform? As important is putting in any exclusions that you know exist. So if there are things in your general scope of work that you know you don't do and are not included in your price, you should list those specifically as exclusions to avoid a dispute about whether they were or weren't in the contract. The next is price. Obviously, you need to articulate how much you expect to be paid for the work that you're going to perform. Payment terms, also very important. When and how will you be paid uh, on larger projects uh, or projects where you may be a subcontractor to a general contractor? The most significant issue is the pay when paid provision, uh, which is a contract provision that says that the contractor doesn't have to pay you as a subcontractor unless the owner pays the contractor. Um, understanding what those, how that provision works, when it's enforceable, how it can be made unenforceable, those are things you need to understand. You should include uh, a period of time or a triggering event when you intend to start the work and as well when you expect to finish the work whether that's a specific date or a duration. These five things uh, should be in your construction contract. So what about certain mandatory disclosures? Those things that are required by the law to be given to the other party in order to have a valid and enforceable contract. So this is the exception I was talking about. If you have uh, if you fall into a certain class of contractor, you are obligated to provide certain disclosures to typically the owner. It's never really, uh, if you are a subcontractor, it's never really a, an obligation to provide these disclosures to a general contractor. So there is a series of disclosures that are required by the law, and again, these apply almost exclusively to situations where you have <clears throat> excuse me you have a contract with a residential owner so if you're doing residential construction these are certain disclosures that you need to have in writing which means that you should have a written contract that includes all of the terms we talked about before plus these in order to have a valid and enforceable contract so the first is the right of rescission uh, to the extent you provide uh, any sales at someone's home, uh, there's generally, in most jurisdictions, a law of a three-day right of rescission. So if you sell something effectively door-to-door, -door, um, but you, you, you consummate the sale in someone's house, 
you may be obligated to give them a three-day right of rescission. Uh, and there may be certain warnings in the contract that you need to include. There are certain obligations to provide residential owners a warning about the Florida's lien law and how it works. Uh, it's roughly a page worth of disclosures that's in Chapter 713, the lien law, and those disclosures need to be in a certain size font and type on the first page of the contract. Uh, the failure to include these warnings could impact your ability to lien the property. If the owner wishes to assert a claim that your work was defective, there are certain obligations under the law, also known as Chapter 558 uh, is how it's typically referred to, um, that require certain mandatory disclosures in advance, so they would be in your construction contract with an owner that uh, makes reference to Chapter 558 of Florida statutes. The recovery fund, again, this is for residential construction, particularly in Florida. There is a certain fund that exists uh, that's maintained by the state, and to the extent a homeowner is injured because of a violation of Chapter 489, which would include mismanagement uh, or deceit, fraud, if any of those things were to occur, the, uh, the claimant, the injured party, could make a claim on the state, and that claim, if it was handled by the state and determined to be proper, uh, that person may get up to $25,000. In order for that fund to exist, they require certain disclosures in the residential construction contract. Um, that's roughly about a paragraph as well in the contract. Finally, there are certain municipalities that require disclosures for residential construction. Um, Miami-Dade County is one. It requires roughly a page of disclosures. Uh, for any residential construction. So the takeaway is if you fall into the category, and again, it's typically residential construction, that requires these disclosures, you have approximately two to two and a half pages of disclosures that are required by the law, the failure of which may render your ability to enforce your contract or lien the property, um, it may render them that, that right uh, in jeopardy. So once you understand that you don't need a written contract, but you should have one, what is the process generally to secure your lien rights? Um, we're going to go over this briefly. We give a, another presentation with Sunray, uh, and we spend a great deal of time talking about these issues. But let me go over the process generally. First, within 45 days of your first work on the project, you need to send a notice to owner. Uh, 45 days is from the time that you start your work or deliver your first materials, and no later than 45 days, the owner and those parties that need to get it per the notice of commencement, they need to receive it by the 45th day. So sending it on the 45th day doesn't work. They need to receive it. Um, so doing it sooner rather than later is strongly recommended. Obviously, if you have a direct contract with the owner, you don't need to send a notice to owner, but we would still recommend that you do it. Next, within 90 days of your last work, and last work does not include punch list and does not include warranty work, 
So within 90 days of your last work or delivery of materials on the project, you need to record the claim of lien uh, to secure your right to be paid. Within 15 days of recording the claim of lien, you need to send a copy by certified mail to the owner and those other parties required to get it under the notice of commencement. The contractor's final affidavit needs to be sent five days before you institute any foreclosure action on your lien. We recommend that if you are required to send the contractor's final affidavit, you do it when you record your lien. Those that are required to send a contractor's final affidavit are those parties that have a direct contract with the owner. So if you are a general contractor with an owner and you have a contract with an owner within five days before you institute a foreclosure, and we would recommend at the time you record your claim of lien, you need to send that contractor's final affidavit to the owner. If you are a plumber or an electrician or a roofer, and you have a direct contract with an owner, you are obligated to send that contractor's final affidavit as well. Finally, you need to foreclose on your, on your lien, which means filing a civil action no later than one year from the recording date of the claim of lien. This period of time cannot be extended. There's no such thing as re-recording your claim of lien. That does nothing. You actually have to commence a civil action. That's the only way you keep your lien in place. This period of time can be shortened by an owner uh, down to 60 days if they send a notice through the clerk. You'll receive that in the mail via certified mail. Uh, or down to 20 days from the recording date if they actually file a lawsuit against you to have that period of time uh, of the one year reduced down to 20 days. Our advice is that you should be seriously moving forward on preparing your lien as when you hit about 60 days from your last work so that you're not running up until the very last minute to record your lien. And then within 60 to 90 days of recording your claim of lien, you should be seriously considering uh, moving forward unless you have a specific factual or business reason not to. Every day that goes by that you are not attempting to collect debt that's on your books makes it that much harder to get paid. So let's summarize. Do you need a contract to have lien rights? The answer is yes, but that contract does not need to be in writing. However, we strongly urge that it be in writing. What are the lien law requirements? Generally, it's 45 days to send a notice to owner from your first work, 90 days from your last work in order to record your lien, and you need to file suit no later than one year. If you want to learn more, you can go to our blog uh, called The Lean Zone, where we write articles, have videos, uh, instructional videos on these and related topics. We also have this handy lien calculator, which you can get for free uh, on the website. It'll help you calculate when the 45 days expires as well as when the 90 days uh, on your lien expires.